Hey, it's Lula Mendelssohn, and welcome to the Sneeman Podcast. Really hope you're doing good. I'm doing well. Okay, today we are going to do another YouTube reaction. Uh, this one is about uh, the last six months of apartheid. So all the drama, all the things that were happening. So the first clip is about um, a white supremacist. Most people know him like some white supremacist white people <laughs> in South Africa totally worship him. So his name is Eugene Terre Blanche. So he was like super racist. So basically they are setting up a mini insurrection. So it was a mini insurrection. So it was a government building. Uh, there were ANC officials inside. Like basically the same thing that happened during the American insurrection. So basically that's what's happening. So let's check it out. The, they've broken through and they're coming. And then my own security man uh, simply grabbed hold of me and ran. Man, I wish you could see the visuals. They, they had like um, a replica of the swastika flag, but not really. But you can see it's like it's the swastika flag. <laughs> it's like a Nazi flag, but they kind of like did a remix on it. For it not to be too obvious, but it's basically a red flag with a uh, almost a swastika looking symbol. So I, I wish you could see this. <laughs> Pandemonium just broke out in the entire building. Many people. So the guy that's speaking is our president, Cyril Ramaphosa. On the ANC side, from the government side, all huddled into the government offices. We thought the right-wingers would never dare just march into... Okay, so for context, uh, for more context, right, this was filmed like uh, 1998. So most of these guys that are talking here, uh, they were pretty young. <laughs> they had white hair, most of them. Some of them were still alive. For example, uh, Tara Blanche, she passed away, but he was still alive at this time of the recording of this uh, mini-documentary. This is and start accosting people or assaulting them. And in fact, we even feared that we would be shot at. The AWB overwhelmed the police who retreated before them. So, an important turning point in this process was when my security guards kneeled down with their automatic weapons pointed at uh, the corridor and as the AWB people came around the corridor, shouted to them, stop. Okay, I nearly thought he would say when the uh, AWB guys approached, they actually shot them. <laughs> and uh, I just unwind and thought, oh, wait, there's no way they could have shot white people. <laughs> Fellow white people, that it would have been impossible. Because from the clip, I can see a couple of um, cops just standing around. They ain't doing anything compelled to promise Terra Blanche there would be no arrests. He agreed to take his men out. Imagine they had to promise him that they wouldn't arrest his people for him to actually come out of the building. <laughs> uh, talk about uh, white privilege. But anyways, this was during apartheid. Because remember, when everything that was happening was happening, right? They hadn't really voted apartheid out. Like, okay, it was the end of apartheid. Apartheid, it was the end of it. Because it ended in uh, 1990. So this insurrection actually happened in 1994, like a couple of months uh, before the elections. So, but anyways, let's just continue. 
deal with an adversary they had grown to trust. Now the election could proceed. Terrablanche threw all his weight into stopping the election. He summoned a rally at the Pretoria Monument to the Africana pioneers. He said if Mandela wanted war, he would get war. Man! <laughs> Mandela was like the most peaceful person ever and they're talking about war. I'm just interested who are like these people like nowadays because they're still alive because it's just like a military march. Most of these guys are young guys. I mean, like they're 19, 20. They're still alive, most of these guys. And they're probably having companies and we walk across these guys and they were actually white militias, like super white supremacists. These guys are amongst us and we don't know who they are, who their children are, because chances are they're teaching the same principles that they were taught when they were young. The same thing they were taught about apartheid and the inferiority of uh, black people, you know. Females or guns. Terra Blanche then persuaded the Volksfront to boycott and oppose the election. We do not make any excuse for being white. God made us like this. We are his children and we are sure of that. We have no need to ask for land. We have land. We have civilized South Africa. <laughs> okay, it's the whole myth that, uh, you know, uh, South Africa was uncivilized before white people got here, man. They actually believe that. They actually thought we are uncivilized and they made us civilized. I mean, I debunk that by a simple notion of saying, okay, Africans were living here. They were living good. There was no sickness. There was um, small wars, nothing very serious, you know. And we're living good. What was the point of us building big monuments to hide in or castles or wear heavy clothes that could cover up our whole bodies? While it was pretty hot in Africa, you didn't really need that many clothes. I mean, Southern Africa, it kind of made sense for us to never really emphasize on covering our whole bodies. And we were living good. What was the point of uh, actually civilization, like in inverted commas? Because civilization to them is building castles and having guns and covering up your whole body. Because we can say for a fact that white people were not uh, in f more superior than black people. That's a known fact. In fact, we knew farming more than them because most of them died when they came to South Africa because they didn't know how to farm. So they had to learn from the natives at the end of the day. So they can't really say they civilized uh, South Africa and this is their land. He member confirmed that he'd seen a bill for training of IFP members in Northern Transvaal by the white right. Here in in, uh, in in the round and in Transvaal, there were certain camps where where some of the Zulus were trained by AWB uh, instructors. Okay, I would believe that because remember, uh, towards the end of apartheid, uh, the white supremacist government they needed 
a, a civil war just in case the ANC negated on their promises that you know the white minority will um, have their land on all their wealth. So they knew that they needed a couple of cool black people who will start a civil war just in case you know the ANC didn't follow up with their promises of you know letting white people have all their wealth and land. Another tribal state was part of the alliance with the white right. Boputatswana, known as Bop, was largely rural and poor, yet the main threat to the transition was to come from here. Bop was scattered over seven areas. Its showpiece was the capital, Mabato. Okay, so Botswana, Babutatswana uh, is the same thing that happens uh, to Lesotho. So because Lesotho had their own government, you know, their own military, their own uh, president. They considered themselves as a sovereign nation. So they never really thought of themselves as part of uh, South Africa. So it's the same thing as the Tswana. They created the nation of Babuta Tswana. So it's basically they were a sovereign nation apart from the rest of South Africa. I don't know what happened to them because there is no nation that called, that's called Babuta Tswana at the moment which means they probably disbanded after, you know, the elections. I'm not really sure what happened to them. The country had been recognized by South Africa as an independent state, though the rest of the world and the ANC refused recognition. Its president was Lucas Mangope. About a third of its... Uh, for proper pronunciation, is Mangope. ...budget was provided by South Africa. Under the constitution that had just been agreed, Boputatswana would cease to exist and become part of South Africa. Okay, actually, that was a great plan. Because imagine having two countries that are inside South Africa. It would have been <laughs> just hilarious. In fact, even Lesotho should be like part of South Africa. That whole thing of a country inside a country doesn't even make sense. 5,000 men was led partly by officers from the South African forces. Mangope would give no pledge to abandon his country's sovereign status, nor would he allow electoral activity in Bob. Okay, I think I should have done more research on Mangope because <laughs> I don't know what happened to the but chances are uh, he was assassinated because you know how the ANC goes down. To participate freely in, in democratic activities, meetings, and in the election. Mangope denied that right. He formed a pact with General Filyun, Chief Butelezi, and the leader of another tribal state. Yeah, Butelezi is part of the Inkasa Freedom Party. That was the black people that they were talking about, the Zulu people, who were actually training in uh, white-owned farms and actually training with uh, the white supremacists of uh, Telebranch. So you can know that, uh, obviously, they were preparing these guys. In fact, even the uh, Babutatwana, they were preparing them to actually uh, form a coup to actually overthrow the government. So if the ANC didn't actually do what they promised to do, it would have been a bloodbath because you'd have people from uh, Babutatwana, you know, Mangope and his uh, Tswana people with these 5,000 people probably they would be given more money and more guns to actually make sure that there's no stability in South Africa. So I did some uh, mini research. So 
Jose Lucas uh, Manyane Mangope was the leader of the ba Bantu state of Babutatuana, the territory he ruled over the distri distributed between the Orange Free State, what is now Free State, uh, Northwest. So uh, I just want to check how he actually passed away. Okay, Wikipedia won't write anything controversial. So <laughs> I wouldn't really be surprised that if he actually got assassinated because I know actually he, got, he didn't get assassinated. He passed on uh, 2018. He was 94. Man, okay. At least nothing happened to the guy. Thank God. Of Bob with right wing Afrikaners posed a serious threat to the whole transition to democracy. Intact. But Mangope stood firm. When some of his black soldiers urged him to abandon his independence, he said he had powerful friends. He so, yeah, that's why I'm really thinking about it. What made him change his mind and, you know, take Babu Satwana to be part of South Africa? What actually happened? Because now he was um, getting some powerful friends from the wrong people. Because if he formed a, a real alliance with white people, I guess that was the whole transition. They knew that if the ANC doesn't do what they want, at least Mangope and also Butele so from the Nkasa Freedom Party, would, they would actually form a coup and try to take over the government. them on that day, look, gentlemen. If you feel you cannot toe the line with me, give me that which is mine and leave the defense force. I'll go and get some other people to come and be in this defense force. But by other people, obviously, it's talking about uh, white people. The other people the Bob president counted on were Fulun's militia of army reservists, mostly Afrikaner farmers who were members of the broad Folksfront Alliance. As disturbances in Bob continued, Mangope saw himself as the victim of a conspiracy. For the good of South Africa, I want to expose the African National Congress, the Communist Party, and the South African government for what they are. For much too long, ever since the beginning of the negotiations, we have had secret deals between the Nationalist Party government and the Communist Party, the African National Congress. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it would have been way easier for, you know, uh, Inkata Freedom Party and also Mangopes, uh, Babu Totswana province to actually be persuaded by the, you know, apartheid government. Because they'll just offer them money. They'll tell you, okay, they'll tell them that, okay, the ANC has all the seeds, they have all the wealth. What about you? What are you going to get from the whole deal? Because they're going to dissolve your mini country. It would have been so easy convincing these guys to actually, you know, try to overthrow the government and form another civil war. Capital went out of control. Mangope called on Villun to come urgently to his rescue. He then requested from, from me assistance for that weekend. I then said to Mr. Mr. Mangope that... Uh, so, uh, Felrion is a guy who was the military head of Volksfront. So, he had an alliance with um, Mangope to actually come together just in case he will need men. So, for his uh, area, for his mini country. So, 
Unfortunately, this guy was working with Telebranch. So he was telling them, okay, we need uh, reinforcements, but don't call those white supremacists <laughs> from Telebranch because they'll just muddy up the orders and it will be like we are sellouts. Farmers for this purpose. Mr. Mangopi then said to me, please, as far as the farmers are concerned, I will be very happy to have them because I, I, I believe that we have a close relationship. But please do not bring the AWB. I emphasized to them, please, come in. Do not bring in the AWB. Terra Blanche's men were regarded as rabid racists. The BOP regime added a warning. And they all said to me, that if you bring in the IWB, there might be a mutiny amongst their own people. But Terra Blanche now announced that he would help Mangope, so the whole white right was going in. Their own order, Volkstaat of their own. The day after Terra Blanche announced his readiness to help, part of Mangope's police force mutinied and joined the demonstrators. Yeah, and rightfully so, man. Like, why would you work with the same white people that killed you? Uh, you know, a year before. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. But we knew what the plan was, right? We know what was happening. Law enforcement ceased. Mabata's main shopping center was pillaged. Mabatu is basically um, the capital of Babutwatwana. Uh, Defence force were nowhere to be seen. Terror Blanche seized the moment. He issued an appeal over Radio Pretoria, a pirate station of the White Right, for AWB members to gather with full kit. The more moderate Filyun now tried to stop Terror Blanche. He did this by going to the president of the White Right Alliance, Ferdy Hartzenberg. And then in my office. Terra Blanche, who had just spoken to President Mangope, took the call. And he said, we, you must not go in tonight. So I asked him why. And he said, no, 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 uh, they are, they are organized. Uh, this is uh, Terra Blanche talking. 4,000 men. So I said, I have had an agreement with the state president, and I phoned him already, and I said, I will take in my men tonight, so I'm going to take in my men. So I did. I had a call from Mr. Eugene Terreblanche, who offered to come in and help. And I said, please don't come in. But the AWB were going in anyway. 6700 started here from Friends Door. The only firearms they had were sidearms, revolvers and pistols. The AWB's intervention was to have dramatic consequences for all white hardliners. Filyun was determined to keep Mangope in power and the right-wing alliance intact, so he sent his men off. Ramaphosa celebrated his 41st birthday. I was able to see Ruth Mayer for the first time dancing uh, on the floor uh, where we were having... And uh, you might ask yourself, why are these white people dancing after the, the negotiations? He was quite happy, he was quite uh, jovial, and I kept wondering whether I would have been as happy as he was if I was in his position, having finally given in in the way that they had. 
Yeah, man, like, obviously they would be happy because they get to keep all the wealth they accumulated, like, all the illegal activities, all the things. Because, remember, very few cops were actually prosecuted uh, for apartheid crimes. In fact, if any, there were very few. Because I remember there was a clip that was circulating when I was growing up of this other cops they were seeking dogs on these um you know african immigrants so i think those ones went to jail i'm not really sure so but anyways you know these guys were not prosecuted for their crimes no crimes whatsoever they care to keep their wealth all their land all uh, anc had to do obviously at this point they just had to be their puppets for the state because the best thing they can do at the moment is, you know, uh, spend all the money they have in government because there's no one who can do anything to them. So they have the ultimate power at the end, I guess. So, but anyways, let's continue with the clips. The ANC and the government opposed this. The election couldn't be postponed. You had millions of people who had focused on these election days as, as a day. This is former President Tabumbeki speaking. Is of liberation. And, and you couldn't say uh, postpone the day of liberation because the IFP and Chief Kutelezi are not yet ready. The government. It's funny he's saying that uh, the IFP and uh, Chief Butelezi, they were not ready. Instead of telling the truth, because my parents have told me these stories. Uh, in Qatar Freedom Party and Chief Butelezi, they were killing people in trains. You couldn't even go to the train station. Uh, 1992-93, it was hell out here. They were busy killing people. So they were already studying with the whole civil war. For the aid not to be suspicious that after the war, all of a sudden there's a civil war. Troops into KwaZulu would not budge. And with less than a month to go before the election, Butelezi was faced with a stark decision if he continued to hold out. There was a realization on the side of Inkata that not participating. Mm, F.W. Dittleck speaking. Faced them with a major choice. And that would be the choice of going to the bush. And that they realized, because the leadership of Inkata, I sincerely believe, didn't want war and doesn't want war that that would lead them into a situation of declaring a form of war. If he didn't uh, squeeze into the process in that last 10 days, he would be completely and utterly eliminated from the political scene. Okay, that's uh, Joe Slovo who just spoke. And, you know, I could really question... Uh, Joe Slovo's intentions. Joe Slovo is a Caucasian man. He was white, but he was part of the ANC. And he's the one who came up with the whole idea of uh, the compromise, you know, that the ANC, because um, what the apartheid government wanted to do was actually to share the power, to actually share the power with uh, black people, which would have been more disastrous. So they had this compromise that instead of sharing the power, uh, the white government will actually uh, slowly transition out, you know. So maybe 10 years after the 1994 elections, 
the apartheid government will slowly phase out and actually show how the the, the black government how to govern because these people didn't know anything about governing a, a country so they would actually show them what's really going on which is a good thing bad thing but they remember we are dealing with the same people that were oppressing us so I don't think it was the good thing that they actually co-governed with the, you know, black people. Because now, what if the co-governance is the one that actually corrupted these guys and they actually show them? Because oh, actually, you can just chow this money. You don't even have to help your people. You can just uh, pocket this money, put it in this uh, account, blah, 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 blah. It was way easier for them to control them at that point, telling them, okay, do this. You can't do this. You can do that. If you want to, uh, you know be corrupt you can do this this and that the people won't do anything you know it just sounds like i'm blaming white people for every uh, decision that uh, black people made but for me it has never really made sense that you know black people get into government and never really help the black people they suffered for it doesn't really make sense these people went to as exile they trained they got shot at they got some of some of their relatives got killed and when they become president and they are part of the government, they don't actually do thing for do anything for black people. It doesn't really make sense. What really changed? Were they corrupt from the onset or were they corrupt during their their armed struggle during the apartheid? Yeah, it does really rub me the wrong way how these black politicians are unable to do anything really effective for black people. Can we really blame white people for that? Because I don't really want to make any speculations because there's not really solid conclusion that uh, black people are really corrupt because they're being led to being corrupt or they're being controlled to be corrupt and not actually do anything for black people. I don't want to go into conspiracy you know, level kind of thinking. But anyways, uh, that's the clip for today, uh, the reaction. Um, that's the episode. It's the Snayman and podcast. I really hope you learned some something from this. I'm trying to do something a bit different. I really hope uh, you're really enjoying this. If you're not really enjoying it, if you're enjoying it, you know where to catch me. All social media platforms at Lama Anderson. It's the Snayman and podcast for now. Sharp, sharp.